0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of the dorsal approach to the radius, otherwise known as the Thompson approach, from the approaches section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this review session talking about the indications of the dorsal approach to the radius. In terms of access, the dorsal approach to the radius provides exposure to the posterior aspect of the radial shaft. Specific indications include ORIF of radial shaft fractures using the extensor side of the bone access to the PIN as it passes through the arcade of Frosch for nerve paralysis and or resistant tennis elbow. Other indications include radial osteotomy, as well as osteomyelitis and bone tumor resection slash biopsy. With respect to the internervous plane of the dorsal approach to the radius, proximally it's between the ECRB, which is innervated by the radial nerve, and the EDC, which is innervated by the PIN nerve. Distally, the internervous plane of the dorsal approach to the radius is between the ECRB innervated by the radial nerve and the EPL, which is innervated by the PIN nerve. Again, the internervous plane proximally in the dorsal approach to the radius is between the ECRB, innervated by the radial nerve and the EDC, which is innervated by the PIN nerve. Distally, the internervous plane of the dorsal approach to the radius is between the ECRB, innervated by the radial nerve and the EPL, innervated by the PIN nerve. Now let's talk about preparation for the dorsal approach to the radius. So in terms of positioning, you will place the patient supine. If the arm is abducted to the side on an arm board, the forearm should be pronated. If the arm is adducted across the chest, the forearm should be supinated. Now let's talk about the approach. Landmarks to be aware of proximally include the lateral epicondyle of the humerus, and the landmarks distally is the dorsal radial tubercle, otherwise known as Lister's tubercle. So, again, in terms of landmarks, proximally you have the lateral epicondyle of the humerus, and distally you have the dorsal radial tubercle, otherwise known as Lister's tubercle. In terms of the incision, the starting point is anterior and distal to the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. Again, the starting point for the incision is anterior and distal to the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. A straight or a gently curved incision can be made along the dorsal lateral aspect of the forearm. Be aware of the superficial radial nerve and the cephalic vein distally. Finally, you will end the incision just distal and ulnar to Lister's tubercle. Now let's talk about the superficial dissection, and we'll talk about it in terms of the proximal third, middle third, and distal third. So the superficial dissection in the proximal third will involve incising the fascia in line with the skin incision using the interval between the ECRB and the EDC to reveal the supinator. Moving on to the middle third, you will identify the abductor pollicis longus or APL and extensor pollicis brevis or EPB emerging between the ECRB and the EDC. Finally, moving on to the distal third, you will undermine the APL and EPB tendons medially to identify the plane between the EPL and ECRB. Now let's talk about the deep dissection, and we'll also talk about this in terms of the proximal third, middle third, and distal third. So in the proximal third for the deep dissection, you will identify the insertion of the supinator by turning the arm into full supination. Remember that supination moves the PIN away from the area of deep dissection. You will then incise the insertion of the supinator along the radius and subperiosteally strip the supinator off the bone to expose the proximal third of the radius. For more proximal exposures, two deep approaches exist to protect the PIN. This includes dissecting proximal to distal and dissecting distal to proximal. So when dissecting proximal to distal, you will detach the origin of the ECRB and ECRL from the lateral epicondyle and identify as well as dissect the PIN as it enters the supinator muscle. When you're dissecting distal to proximal, you will identify the nerve as it exits the supinator and dissect it proximally out of the supinator substance. Moving on to the middle third of the deep dissection, make the incision along the superior and inferior borders of the APL and EPB. You will then retract them off-bone to expose the middle third of the radius. Finally moving on to the distal third, separating the ECRB and EPL will directly lead to the lateral border of the radius. Keep in mind that part of the interosseous membrane may have to be removed to approach the radius. Now let's end this review session talking about some dangers and the structures to be aware of include the posterior interosseous nerve, which is a branch of the radial nerve, and the posterior interosseous artery. So posterior interosseous nerve injury is usually from retraction. In 25% of patients, the nerve actually touches the dorsal aspect of the radius. Keep in mind that plates placed high on the dorsal surface may trap the nerve, and remember that the PIN must be identified within the supinator muscle. Finally, the posterior interosseous artery accompanies the PIN along the interosseous membrane in the proximal one-third of the radius. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one quick question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The proximal aspect of the posterior approach or Thompson approach to the radius involves what surgical interval? and the choices are 1. extensor carpi radialis brevis and extensor carpi radialis longus, 2. extensor carpi radialis brevis and extensor digitorum communis, 3. supinator and brachioradialis, 4. extensor carpi radialis longus and brachioradialis, and 5. extensor digitorum communis and brachioradialis. The correct answer to this question is 2, extensor carpi radialis brevis and extensor digitorum commonis. So the Thompson or posterior approach to the radius involves the interval between the radial nerve and the posterior interosseous nerve, which is a branch of the radial nerve proper. Proximally, the interval is between the ECRB, innervated by the radial nerve, and the EDC, innervated by the PIN whereas more distally, the interval is between the ECRB, innervated by the radial nerve, and the EPL, which is innervated by the PIN. The approach can simply be thought of as between the muscles of the mobile wad compartment and those of the dorsal compartment. That's all for this review about the dorsal approach to the radius, otherwise known as the Thompson approach. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.